KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. Our phone has become our constant companion, texting, checking email, checking social media, and yes, even making the occasional phone call. But are phones and technology becoming too much a part of our existence? What happens when, instead of aiding day-to-day life, it starts to interfere with it? Wanted to talk more about this, so we reached out to Dr. Jamie Zuckerman, a clinical psychologist based in Ardmore. Really fascinating and important conversation. Give a listen. When we talk about developing dependencies on our phone technology, and I think for the most part I'll use the phone as the vehicle for this conversation, how did we get here? When did we cross over from the phone <laughs> the <dark> being <laughs> just a way to communicate to being something that now is kind of part of our being? Yeah. So once they turned into smartphones, that's that's the that's the short answer. Once they turned into smartphones, we had the ability to go online, shopping, really doing anything that now took the face-to-face communication out of the picture. Um, And then it it got progressively worse once social media came into play. How unhealthy is the dependency that the vast, vast majority of the public has developed uh, for their phone for technology? So I think it's going to vary from person to person. You have to look at the degree to which the dependency and the usage interferes with your functioning on a daily basis. So somebody who uses their phone five hours a day, that's not missing work, that's still attending to their family, that's still engaging with their peers, may not be that much of an issue. If they're missing deadlines at work, if they're not on time for appointments, if they're failing their exams, if they're isolating from their friends, they're not sleeping, then that's when it the dependency is is an issue. And it can it's I hate saying it's worse than we think, but it's worse than we think when you do have a dependency because it's not just about staring at your phone all the time. It interferes with your brain chemistry, it interferes with your sleep, it interferes with your your appetite, your concentration, your attention your relationships, your, your real relationships. Do you have, and I don't know if there's data out this, is there a percentage of the public that you think falls into, I guess, the danger zone of, cause I mean, I feel like the, my phone has become a part of me. I find myself yeah. mindlessly scrolling yes. through stuff that does not interest me. And I, if confronted, I could not tell you what I'm looking for or why I'm doing it. However, I'm able to put the phone down. It doesn't interfere with day to day. About, do you, any idea what percentage of people are really in the danger zone here? I don't have an actual percentage, but it's, it's high. I don't have the actual data, it's, but it is high. And what you were describing, that kind of mindless scrolling where you don't even know why you're doing it, let alone what you're doing. It's become so habitual. Like you said, it's such a part of our our day-to-day. It also, there's an age factor involved in this too. Um, millennials and you know, even younger, they're they're way more it's always been there for them, right? I mean, we didn't grow well, I I'm assuming you didn't grow up with cell phone. We didn't grow up with this. So it wasn't a part of our education, it wasn't part of our social relationships. So it's a little bit different, I think, as you go by age. That doesn't mean that you're not going to develop the dependency. 
but it's, it's a little bit different for, for each generation. You talked about some things which would seem to me to be on the, the far end of the spectrum as far as problems. What are some warning signs that the phone's beginning to interfere with your life that maybe aren't at the extreme, but mm-hmm. things that if you're cognizant enough that can say, wait a minute, why am I doing this? What I should stop this? What would they be? Sure. So sleep interference, you find yourself up before you know it, it's 2 a.m. and you're mindlessly scrolling on Instagram, looking at things like you said, you don't even care about. So I would say difficulty sleeping, usually lack of sleep um, rather than oversleeping. Your concentration and your attention. So what happens is when we're on our phones all the time, it's little bursts of attention grabbing. So it's kind of really focused and then distracted, really focused and then distracted. So what happens is that's not just short-lived and and a result of just using your phone. That extends into our day-to-day. So people will find themselves having difficulty concentrating after a very short period of time and needing to switch gears or, sw- as we say, switch sets that they can't stay focused on one thing. It doesn't mean they have an attention disorder. It's just a a symptom of that. So if you notice that you're getting antsy and that you're having difficulty focusing on, let's say, you know, listening to somebody speak, that could be an indicator as well. Even things like leaving your house and getting that dreaded sense of impending doom because you realize you don't have your cell phone on you. That, that feeling that comes up, that's, that's another indicator. And I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling. We talk about the warning signs and all. If we deconstruct this, though, this is all acting as it's designed, isn't it? I mean, this is not an accident. This is not an experiment that, oh, boy, we had the best of intentions, but look what had happened. This is how it's supposed to work. Am I correct? This is how it's supposed to work. They, 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 whoever they is, um, no, everything is very carefully designed to grab your attention. There's a reason why there's likes and, you know, dislikes. There's a reason why there's links. There's a reason why, you know, when you look at your phone and you see that red number, like, oh, that red, I have a friend request or I have, you know, I have a follower, I have a like, there's a reason for that. You know, think about it. It could just tell you who, who's, who followed you. It doesn't, it actually makes you go into the app to actually see who followed you. It doesn't just pop up on your screen. The notifications aren't set up like that. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why, you know, websites are designed the way they are. There's a reason why, you know, even eBay, for example, a lot of times the reason why people do eBay, it's not even necessarily that they want a good deal. It's because they like the rush of the auction. I mean, everything has a purpose, the way it's placed on websites. And none of this is by accident. This is all by design. Like slot machines, like a casino. None of that is by accident. So let me turn this around on you. Mm -hmm. We're in the midst of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to stay away from each other. We're supposed to not go places. The phone in for many people is the only avenue of communication, social interaction. Mm -hmm. So... This is kind of the worst of both worlds, isn't it? We're, we're sitting here talking about a problem I think most people would acknowledge as a problem, 
But on the other hand, we're in a situation that cries out for the problem to be exacerbated. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. And you're 100% right. Uh, the only suggestion I have with that would be to use your phone to connect with people, not through social media apps, but through Zoom, through FaceTime, um, through things like that, doing, you know, getting creative with Zoom and, you know, having happy hours on Zoom with your friends or, you know, going to visit a virtual museum or anything. You can get, you can get pretty creative with it. The other thing is, and I, I say this to my patients a lot, you have to set limits with the social media use. You have to, you have to, otherwise with the pandemic, like you said, you're going to find yourself spiraling down that kind of usage rabbit hole. How do we, how do we start to, I don't want to say fix it because it's mm -hmm. working as it's designed. We're in a situation <laughs> that calls for us to, to fall down this hole further. Uh, but, but what can we do? You talk about setting limits. Um, yeah. Is it a matter of just putting the phone on the charger upstairs and going downstairs and making a conscious effort to stay away? You know, how, how would you, what were some ideas you would, you would put forth for people? So a couple things, um, you want to try disabling your notifications on your phone. So when, and all of them, text, everything. So you don't have those constant dinging, buzzing reminders that break up your concentration at any particular time, feeling the vibration in your pocket of your phone. So turn off all notifications. So the only time you're going into your phone um, would be to check if you have messages, to check if somebody called, not constant messaging with those notifications. So the, the first thing is take off your notifications. The second is um, iPhones have this, and there's also apps that you can download for this, but tracking your internet usage tracking how much time, because a lot of people, I did this a couple months ago, a lot of people have no idea how long they're actually on their phones for. And I think last time I checked, it was an average of four to five hours. That's average. When you track your usage and you can track it by which apps you're using and what times you're on there, what times are most frequent, and you can practice shutting off your phone during those peak times, when you're on, but I recommend from the beginning, people track their time because it was extremely disturbing when I thought I was on my phone, let's say an hour, two hours, and then I tracked it and it was, it was embarrassingly high. I had no idea. And I'm, I do, I mean, I'm pretty in tune to it. I had no idea. So I have a feeling that when people see that it's kind of a, a wake up call, and at least they have a baseline that they can go off of. And then if you see your numbers gradually, you want to do it gradually. You don't want to just cut it out cold turkey because that's not how you do this. That's not how you would treat addiction. So um, it's a gradual kind of, it's a process. This is a process like anything else. You were, you use the word addiction. Would we put this in, in, that, in that category of a, yeah. a narcotic or alcohol or stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, it is because it's the same, even though it's a phone, it's not something you're ingesting. It still releases dopamine. Every time you pick it up and you get the text or you get the like, or you get the follow, you get the message, you see a picture, it, it releases dopamine, but in short spurts. 
And so we get that rush, that high, and then it dissipates. And then like any other addiction, you end up needing more of the behavior to get that same rush and you're constantly chasing it. So the more you use with your phone, the more disconnected from your relationships you are from real world. And you're perpetuating the, the problem because the more you're on your phone, the more isolated you become, which is the thing that you're trying to avoid in the first place. I'd, I'd like to zoom out a little bit. And we've talked about social media. We've kind of incorporated. One of the things I've noticed, there is a, a toxicity to our society these days. And I have a theory, a lot of that problem, and I dump this on everyone, not just younger people, mm -hmm. but people have gotten really used to saying things, quote unquote, on social media, putting messages out that in the real world would get them punched in the mouth. And <laughs> there is a lack of negative reinforcement that has led to a lot of nasty things being unleashed. How... How close am I to that being one of the big problems with our society right now? I mean, I think you're pretty on the mark. I mean, I think you're pretty accurate. You know, we have this illusion of safety because we're behind a screen. You know, um, half the things, you know, especially during, you know, the recent election and people's views on, on the pandemic, um, you're right. If people said half the things they did, whichever side you land on, yes, it, it would be extremely detrimental. So I think that it gives us this illusion of safety when we speak on controversial topics, whereas face-to-face -face, that probably wouldn't happen in a supermarket. You wouldn't just start spewing out your, you know, your political views or your views on COVID. So it also gives us an immediate audience. That's the other thing. We have access to hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, we could, we, you just need a public account, right? I mean, you, so there's, there's your status updates, there's Twitter, there's a million ways you can get your voice across to different people at any time you want. There is always an audience available. Whereas in the real world, that's, that's just not the case. So you can sit with your stuff a little longer and maybe realize, okay, maybe I shouldn't say that. What our phones do, what social media does, is it leaves us no pause. So it's an impulse thing. You, you do it right away. So you kind of gave us some tips on kind of weaning off the phone, not letting it take over your life. But overall, with everything we've talked about, are you hopeful that we as a society will be able to get this to a point where it's not controlling us or is the genie out of the bottle in the big picture? Uh, <laughs> I think it can go both ways. I think that um, the more awareness that people have of the neurological damage that it can do, the dependency and the addiction, the more knowledge that people have of what it literally does to your brain the more mindful they are of their usage, I think that we can kind of curb this a little bit. Um, I think like anything else, this is, you know, social media in general or phones, it, it, it's only going to get more advanced, right? It's only going to get more specific and more detailed and more directed in terms of its audience. So I think on our end, it's going to be a matter of us being very mindful of that, being mindful of which apps we're on and why. And also the biggest thing is when we're doing it. You'll find that people that have higher levels of anxiety and depression, 
tend to, there's a direct correlation between the amount of time they spend on social media and anxiety and depression. People, when they're in social groups, if they're uncomfortable, what's the first thing they do? They go on their phone to avoid that discomfort, which perpetuates the disconnect they have from people, which is what they're, again, like I said, what they're trying to avoid in the first place. But I think, yeah, I think it can get a lot worse if we're not present and mindful. I, yes. So I think it can get worse unless, unless we really take a step back and see what's happening. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.